but we're doing them worship. <clears throat> we continue in the Gospel of John. We're in the uh, seventh chapter, towards the end of the Gospel, um, and uh, uh, verse 37 <clears throat> and following. It's, um, this is the, the season, it's a festival called the festivals, uh, Festival of Booths, or Sukkot is the name of the, the festival itself. And um, this is what John writes. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet, there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite spots in Yosemite Valley, I learned of years and years and years ago. Um, I was uh, just out of uh, high school and early college days, and we would sing in Yosemite Valley. I, I was part of a a musical group, and we would go up there, and we would leave Vacation Bible School, and we'd sing in the national parks and do chapel and all kinds of things. We did that a number of different times. And, uh, and I remember at one point we learned of this little spot. Uh, the guy that headed up our, our group uh, made a stop at all the, you know, those signs that you're, you pass on Highway 395 that says historical monument to the right, and you have no idea what they are? I know them all uh, because we were forced to stop at all of them at one time or another. We got a great education of the historical sites nobody cares about in California. And, and, uh, and so, but one of these spots in the valley is called Fern Spring. It is, um, there's a little loop as you go in the valley now, I think there's an, an exit you could take before you go off to Merced and down that way to leave on Highway 140 you can take a, a turn and it takes you back into the valley. It creates a loop. And Fern Spring is on that loop and there's a little place where you can pull over and it is gorgeous. There's ferns all over. It's shaded, these huge sequoias, everything about it. And there's this small little spring that's just not, it's about this big. And it is gorgeous. It is the freshest water in the valley. Um, they put up a sign there that says, don't drink the water. That's just for tourists. The, the, uh, the, I, I know for a fact that the rangers uh, oftentimes will stop and fill up their water bottles there for the day. Especially the equestrian folks will do that. They don't let their horses drink out of it, but they'll fill up their water bottles and all that. What it is, is it's a, it's a spring that comes down and, you know, Yosemite is just all these granite walls. And this water is filtered down underneath the granite. And it cleanses itself and softens itself as it comes down. And it bubbles up in the spring. It's a remarkable 
place. It's bubbling, it's moving, it's cleansing, it's refreshing, and it's really cold. Even in the middle of summer, it is just the best place. And uh, I, I could go back there again and again and again, and I have over the years. When you look at John 7, let me just take you back a little bit and, um, and hear what's going on in the passage. Jesus went back, at verse 1, um, went about in Galilee. He did not wish to go about in Judea because the Jews were looking for an opportunity to kill him. Now the festival of booths was near, so his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one who wants to be widely known acts in secret. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The, word, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify against it that it works are evil. Go to the festival yourselves. I'm not going to the festival, this festival, for my time has not fully come. After this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone to the festival, this is where Jesus, as a sibling, probably didn't tell the whole truth. Um, I'm not going. But, but as they went up publicly, uh, um, he went up. And the Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, where is he? And uh, there was considerable complaining about him among the crowds. While some were saying, he is a good man. Others were saying, no, he is deceiving the crowd. Yet no one would speak openly about him for fear of the Jews. It's, um, Jesus eventually gets there. And um, you've heard that. Uh, and when he stands up at the end of the festival and says, is anybody here still thirsty? It's, a, it's a, an interesting thing. I think that, that the ancient people understood water. In fact, I've, I don't know about you, I've traveled to different places in the world that have problems with water security, with clean water. And uh, we uh, have worked with organizations over the year that, years that provide clean water resources and villages. I was part of a group that was uh, a group called Why Malawi. And um, Malawi is one of the poorest two or three countries in the African continent. And uh, we had partnered with World Vision with um, the local uh, community there and the elders. We had, we had uh, partnered with um, the Presbyterian Church in that area. Uh, there's a long history of the Presbyterian Church in Kenya and in uh, Malawi. And uh, we, we uh, also um, partnered with a group called Fishers, Trainers, Senders. It was a small discipleship group led by this Dutch woman. It was just a fascinating bunch of people. And we worked with a micro-lending group to help as well. And we got there and we, um, we uh, had this encounter with the village and and um, with the elders of the village, we said, uh, we're talking to them. They said, would you, um, we'd like to build a well. We noticed, and we actually went with them uh, to go get water. And, and it was a good mile away. And uh, the women and the children and us that would all go. And it was this remarkable experience of singing together. 
on the way to get the water and of singing on the way back. And these women would carry these huge urns of water that I could never lift up. And, um, and they would do that twice a day because that's how they got water for everything they did each day. And the water um, was brackish. Uh, they had to boil it to use it. And it was just miserable. And these people understood that they needed a well. And because a well would bubble up, it would remain fresh, and it was living. You know, it kept moving. And um, this uh, water they were getting was brackish. Animals had defecated in it upstream. I mean, it, it was gross. And so um, we said, you know, we'd love to build you a well. And the, and the local folks said, yeah, we'd rather have a school. I was like, huh, let's explain this again. You realize that uh, you're all, you know, you've got kids getting sick, you've got this long trek, there's a lot of things going on. Wouldn't you like, well, no, we'd really like a school. And we couldn't understand it. Finally, one of the elders pulled us aside and said, listen, if we build a school, we'll get a teacher, and it requires that we get a well. If we build a well, we don't get a school and we don't get a teacher. Oh, okay, so local knowledge is much more important than us Western uh, folks coming over with all that we know. And so they knew the importance of the well, and there were a couple of wells they wanted. They wanted a well of education, and they wanted a well to drink from. And they understood that, that water that's brackish makes you sick, and running water makes you well and sustains you. This story, this going up to Jerusalem at the festival of, Booth, festival of Booths continues the Passover theme that we started last week with the bread of life. And these themes, John is using them to tell the story of Jesus from Jesus' own life. And Jesus is, in, is going to be in Jerusalem again and liken this experience to the wilderness wanderings of the people of God. The festival of booths or Sukkot um, was the booths were like lean-tos. They would build, and we saw these, um, I've seen these in other parts of the world, uh, particularly in Malawi, was we were, were driving from the airport to where we were going. In the fields, people would have lean-tos, just thatched uh, roofs, and just, uh, that's it. And then it would be open, but that would keep moisture off and sun off and that kind of thing. And so, um, they would build these, and they would uh, build them all around Jerusalem instead of, and people would go and stay in them. And it was to remind them of their wilderness wanderings in the desert, that 40 years. And they would build these booths as a way of reenacting being in the desert together. Um, this time, the theme isn't manna, it's not bread, it's not quail. It's a harvest festival that focuses on the water in the desert. Remember Moses struck the rock, rock at Mirabah and, and water comes out of it? And God provides fresh water for his people in the desert? Uh, Dee and I went out to uh, Borrego Springs a year ago and we went what we thought would be fine. It was like late March, Dee, was that it? And we're thinking, oh, it'll be great. It was like 115 and we didn't take nearly enough water. 
and, uh, and it was hot. And, uh, and you got parched quickly, and you needed a whole lot. And this, this is to remind them of that time. In fact, the, the festival lasted eight days, and each day ended with a solemn ritual. They would take these urns of water, and they, would, uh, they had set up a huge great altar among the people, and they would do sacrifices outdoors in, on these, this altar, and then they would wash the altar clean at the end of each day, and they would just pour water on it, just gallons and gallons of water. On the eighth day of the festival, they would uh, double their, their um, efforts, and not only was it a little bit of water or a, even a good amount of water, it was a great amount of water poured everywhere to cleanse the, the uh, table before um, this, uh, the end of the festival. Eight days of water poured on the ground all around everywhere, celebrating the past provision of God not only in the giving of water, but also in the giving of the law. They included that in the, in the ceremony. Both were life-giving experiences of the past. But now the memories of something long ago. They were life-giving experiences in the past, but now they were memories of something long ago. So why did they do it? One person suggested that a longing for more of what God had done in the desert, more of God's provision, more of God's freshness, and newness. And Jesus stands up and says, are you still thirsty? I, I love this moment. After all that you've seen, after all you've experienced, after all you know about God, are you still thirsty? Or not? Are you satisfied with where you are? Or are you thirsty for the living God? When uh, I've worked as a consultant and with consultants in churches over the years, one of the things that, uh, one of the questions that oftentimes gets asked early on is, when did you feel the most alive in your faith in your church. Let me give you a moment. Let me ask you that question. So when did you feel most alive as a follower of Jesus? The reason that a consultant asks that question is because for the most part, the answer is not now. 
in most people, in most churches, especially churches that are having difficulties, which is the majority of our churches in this country right now, the answer is not now. It's a longing for things of the past. And why a consultant would ask that question is, if you can get in touch with what it was that was so life-giving, then can it create in you a longing for more of it? Not more of the same experience, not more of the same ritual, not more of the same stuff that you did. It doesn't mean I want to get fit. Well, I'd like to get 50 years younger and go back to Mexico, but, but it's not that. It's do you have a longing to be filled up with meaning and purpose and life now? Dee and I have often talked about the fact that it's amazing that I can look back and in my, I can look back at, at my commitments in college. And why does it seem like I was so much more engaged as a college student than I am as an adult? Why was I so much more willing to risk things then than I am now? And it's because uh, for a lot of reasons, but one is I've settled in to maintaining the life that I have now. Responsibilities. And I don't live in community anymore. In college, I lived in community. I did everything with friends and people that weren't my family. I lived with four or five different guys, and that was just chaos. And it smelled bad. And, and, uh, but we ate well, because we ate a lot. And the reason we need to get in touch with when we were most alive is that Jesus looks at his audience. He looks at the people gathered that day and says, Are you still thirsty? Then come and drink from me. And I will make in you rivers of living water. I will put my spirit in you, says the text. And you'll be alive in a way that's greater than it was in the past. I will do greater things than these, says Jesus. Living water is running water. God's refreshment is now. Jesus is running on ahead of us in our life and saying, come on to where I am. Sometimes that's, that's places we don't want to go. Remember at the end of the Gospel of John, and we won't, I won't preach on it, but at the end of the Gospel of John says, and what about that person over there? How, how are they going to live? Well, they, they may not taste death, etc. And it's these real cryptic moments and and Jesus finally says, listen, at some point, somebody's going to tie a rope around your waist and guide you to places you don't want to go. You might have to go into new territory. You might have to let go of nostalgic viewpoints. You might have to live into Jesus afresh and be changed 
Because the life of Jesus isn't from the past. He says, are you still thirsty today? If you're not, then this meal's not for you. But if you are, this small little taste of bread and this tiny little cup of juice has more meaning than any past experience you've had. Because Jesus comes to you today and says, I will do greater things in you and through you than I have in the past. When did you feel most alive in Jesus? I pray for all of us that we'll say today. Pray with me. God, we thank you for these elements that are here before us. We thank you for the gift of your life in our stead. That you showed us the way, the truth, the life. And you beckon us forward if only we would let go of our complaints, our grumblings in the desert, if only we would let go of our need to be right, to be vindicated, if only we would let go of our agendas, and you say you will show us a more excellent way Help us to trust you with our lives as we give thanks for this meal and pray the prayer you taught us to say together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.